Welcome back to InPod, your home for all things inflow. I'm Nick Sweeney, I'm your host. And you might have noticed a couple of weeks ago that I mentioned that Drivers 18.1 is officially out and it's something that we're able to download and play with and, and try out all the new stuff that's going on. I really wanted to talk about it right then at that moment because it's a cool release and a lot's happened. And if you, if you haven't seen Glenn Smith kind of go over the what's new, um, I highly checked that out. It was a, a great video. I think he said it was going to be 30 minutes, but he said he would definitely go over it. I think we went like an hour 20. Um, long discussion, long conversation, but a lot to get to. And that's why it took so long. But I wanted to hold off on talking about it because I wanted to get through the what's new section of 2021 for SolidWorks. So uh, beginning of October, we went through a, a what's new in SolidWorks 2021, the core SolidWorks with Wilkie Favre. That was a really fun episode. I highly recommend you check that out if you want to know you know, how SolidWorks is helping eliminate what he called application parkour. So SolidWorks really simplifies things, keeps it all in one spot and having, instead of having to kind of jump window to window to do what you want to do. So that was really cool. Uh, the second episode, the, the following week, we kind of talked about what's new in data management 2021. So we talked about uh, SolidWorks PDM, we talked about SolidWorks Manage, and we brought in a nice roundtable. We had Ryan Daly, Mike King, and Jeff Sweeney on the podcast to kind of go through all of that, talk about different use cases, what they think is cool, what they think is really useful. There's a lot going on there. I, I definitely recommend trying out PDM 2021 at some point because they've done some really cool stuff to make it so that you don't have to leave the mouse or that you don't have to right click and remember to do this, that, and the other. Instead, you can just click on the checkout button. It's all right there. It's it's kind of a little bit easier than the icons. As simple as the icons seem, the icons are actually pretty cool. The next week, we actually talked a little bit about the manufacturing solutions side of it. And I wanted to cover the manufacturing solutions, not because it's what's new, because it's not. It's stuff that we've been doing for years. And yeah, we get new printers and we get new scanners every single year to try out. But 2020 has been an interesting year, to say the least, for all of us. And I love what our manufacturing team has done kind of the response that we've had um, just with, with coronavirus and, and what's happened and the, the PPE shortage and what we've been able to do to help that has been just amazing. And, and I love seeing the response from our group and from our team. And I really wanted to highlight that and talk about what a great job that team has done and also introduce the solutions because maybe not everyone knew that you can 3d print metal, which is just so cool. It's the coolest thing in the world. So last week, we covered our last section, and that was SolidWorks Simulation, what's new in 2021. We went over that with the two legends, Bill Roos and Robert Warren, talking about flow simulation and plastics, a lot going on there. But I don't want to spend too much longer on this intro because we're over three minutes now. So what we're talking about this week is we're doing a DriveWorks 18.1 kind of mini roundtable. It's Derek Lawson. He's joining the podcast once again. And I also got Aaron Winters, one of our other DriveWorks product managers. To jump on, we're going to talk about what's new in DriveWorks 18.1. And we're going to give you some of the use case stuff. You know, if you want to know what's new in DriveWorks 18.1, check out Glenn Smith's uh, what's new video on the DriveWorks community. It's a fantastic watch. But we want to talk about, you know, these different functions and how we use them and, and what we see these doing for us and for our implementations. You know, we do a lot of implementations. We've got a lot between the three of us. I, I don't know if I could come up with that number, especially not on the spot. But we're going to talk about the functions. We're going to talk about the drive apps that we've got going on. Lots of sweet stuff. So I'm going to jump into that discussion now and let's get started.
So as I said in the introduction this week, we've got like a mini roundtable kind of going through what's new in Drivers 18.1. So uh, you may remember Derek Lawson from the Can Drive It Suppress Teenagers episode, but also joining us this week is Aaron Winters, uh, one of our Drivers product managers. Aaron has several years of experience using DriveWorks and he's done a lot of awesome stuff uh, just since I started working with him last year. So I guess, Derek, welcome to the podcast. Welcome back. Aaron, welcome to the podcast. And because you're a newbie here, what was your first version of SolidWorks? And what was your first version of DriveWorks? That's a great question, Nick. So my first version of SolidWorks was 2006 uh, when I was working as an intern at a product development company. And my first version of DriveWorks was 14 slash 15 because I can't remember which one it quite was, but it was one of those two versions. Mm Now, was that Drivers Solo, Drivers Express, Drivers Professional? Do you remember? All of the above. <laughs> all of them. Yeah. So you you got thrown in the fire, and it was all three. Absolutely. Very nice. And Derek, just to refresh the listeners, your first version of SolidWorks was. I, I want to say remember. it was probably about two thousand six, two thousand seven, I think. And you started on DriveWorks, DriveWorks 14, uh, Actually, I remember starting on 11 or 12 is when I first got... That's right, because yeah, you started when with I first Express. got introduced to it and, you know, Express beforehand before diving into Pro and everything else that it had to offer, yeah. Gotcha. So we've, we've got several years of DriveWorks experience now between all of us. So I wanted to get us together to talk about DriveWorks 18.1. It came out two, three weeks ago now. Uh, that's when Glenn had his video where we talked about what's new in Drivers 18.1. He said 30 minutes, went an hour 20 because that's typical Drivers fashion. Um, but we we love what's going on with Drivers 18. We were talking before uh, before we started recording, and there's a lot of pretty cool stuff here that I want to get to. There's stuff that's going on with Drive 3D, which I love. I, I love the 3D side of it. Um, we've got the CPQ. We've got the Drive apps. We've got just the individual rules and the SolidWorks PDM side of it as well. There's a lot going on, so I, I just want to jump straight in and start talking about what our favorite parts of this release are. And Derek, I'm going to toss it to you first so that we can talk a little bit about drive apps because CPQ kind of falls into drive apps. What are you most excited about with how we're going to be able to use drive apps? Like, What is this really going to do for our individual users? So, I mean, just drive apps in general is... A game changer. You know, it's it's really going to flip on how we work with DriveWorks, not just now, but in the future, right? So they've introduced Drive Apps, which comes with, you know, two different portions of it right now, two different apps, uh, dashboards and the CPQ. But those are just the first of many that are going to be developed. So obviously, DriveWorks is going to be developing more on its end. Um, in the future, the hopes are that the SDK will allow users to develop, to develop their own Drive Apps. So, you know, a lot of what we're going to be doing in the future is going to revolve around this new Drive Apps application. So, like, probably one of the biggest things that I see with it that everyone deals with are the dashboard Drive Apps, right? Because whenever we go through and we set up a new project, there's typically some type of, you know, landing project that we want to select that says, well, what kind of thing do you want to do? Do you want to do this or that or something else? And in the past, you always had to set up these buttons and macros, button one, button two, button three, macro one, macro two, macro Mm -hmm. three. When you click this, it runs a list of your options that will either take you to a new form or take you to, you know, a new project and a spec host control or something like that. But with dashboards, it takes all that out of it. You don't have to build 
this all from scratch anymore. It's it's something that's just in the application because they recognize how often the users and the administrators are putting something like that together. So now you could just create a new dashboard and say, well, I want these buttons doing these things. And the really cool thing that I like about it is it you can control how it looks, you know, the feel of it, customize it to your own just as much as you would if you had created it from scratch. So now you have this completely custom dashboard that you're not spending hours putting together or having to save off, you know, a project that you re-import and then tweak and modify all the time. It's already there for you. So, you know, we talk about going modular all the time. I think this is one of those really great next steps that DriveWorks already has the foresight to put into their application to to really build off of. So it's just, it, I think it's a great step in the right direction that they're pushing here. And Aaron, before I talk to you about the CPQ side of it, I do want to say that the whole modularity thing, it's definitely helped by the fact that with these dashboards, they're actually built, like SQL is part of the, the build in the back end of it. Um, it does use SQL, I think you have to be on 2016, that's the one that's required. It can be SQL Express, so it's no big deal. But the fact that it's inside of SQL makes it so much more scalable and so much easier to work with, in my opinion, because SQL is really a standard. So many customers, so many people uh, industry-wide, we all use SQL. So having it kind of standardized where you know our drive apps and our CPQ, they're built using that SQL database instead of using Excel, instead of being built inside of DriveWorks, instead it's kept a little bit separate, so it's a little bit more scalable. Right, and that's, and that's, that's a great point, Nick. I mean, even without the drive apps applications, we're still asking customers to really rely on SQL databases because they're easy to control, easy to back up, easy to maintain, and they're universally accessible by other applications. So it's a great place to store data in general, you know, even regardless of the drive apps. And that's, yeah, that's a really great point that, you know, if we're asking people to change this stuff, we're asking people to work with this stuff, there's a lot of things that you have to update, at least historically with DriveWorks projects. And that was always one of the things that Aaron in particular, back in February, when we worked on on a big demo for one of our prospects, um, you did a lot of work on the CPQ template with trying to create a full CPQ solution. And by the end of it, it was a pretty slick solution. And we were able to generate their products and it was a catalog and you could order and and ship it out to whatever system we had to push it to. It was really, really cool. But Aaron, what do you think of what they've done with CPQ, kind of making it a drive app so that now everything's really modular, everything stays together. You don't have to maintain all of those macros and all of those variables that you had to in the past. Now it's all kind of maintained in the back end because we have SQL and we have a database that does it for us. What do you think of all that? I think it's fantastic. So I really think that DriveWorks is raising the bar for what they're application is supposed to do for customers. So they're making it a lot more amenable for somebody who has a web development mentality that essentially I'm developing for the cloud. I'm trying to develop a solution that's scalable. Uh, I'm trying to develop a solution that's modular. And I'm trying to develop a solution that the user does not necessarily have to have access to the underlying rules. And so with Drive Apps and CPQ in particular, you're creating a real solution that's out of the box ready for the customer. So in the old version, with CPQ, it was exceedingly powerful and it had a lot of stuff out of the gate, but it was extremely um, configurable for the customer, which meant that if they went down a certain path to develop the configure price quote template for themselves, if DriveWorks were to update it 
to another version, they'd have to find a way to see what the delta was between what DriveWorks did and what their current system has. Now, with the CPQ template that comes along with Drive Apps, you don't have to worry about that because it's out of the box ready. Uh, you're not going to have access to the rules in the background, but you'll have a lot of access to be able to configure the template for your particular needs. And I think a really good example of this would be how difficult it was in the past to add a project to the CPQ template. So it was mm. very manual. You had to take an existing DriveWorks project and copy over a, a tremendous amount of macros and variables and things of that nature. It, it was a process to get that in there. Now you can have an existing product a project and you can actually add directly into that project an existing form template that has everything you need. It adds in the variables that you need. It adds in the macros that you need. All of that data is right there for you to use. And it's going to make it really easy to add it to the CPQ template as a configurable product. And then from that point, you just go into your administrative background in the CPQ. And then you say, I want to actually add this specific project to the CPQ environment. And then you're off to the races. So it feels a lot more like a, an enterprise level solution, like a Salesforce or like an SAP or like an N4, where essentially you're going to be configuring things as an administrator, but you're not going to necessarily have underlying rules to all of the logic that goes on behind those systems, because they're assuming that they're going to be creating a solution that actually works for their customers. And I think DriveWorks is just, again, raising the bar for that, so that customers have an out-of-the-box ready solution that has all the best practices for really a web mentality of folks who are trying to use that solution. Aaron, I, th I think that that all really rolls in really nicely to one of the things that we were told um, kind of about that demo back in February was that it doesn't, we don't necessarily always want this to be a science project. We love how configurable DriveWorks is and, and the DriveWorks customers and DriveWorks themselves. Everybody loves how configurable this is and how it can really do whatever you want it to. It can order your fish and chips for lunch. It can create your semi-truck trailer. It, it has so much flexibility, but sometimes people want that out-of-the-box solution that we already have, the ability to just like, say, I want to add this module, I want to add this template, I want to add this project. It makes it really easy to get going, to get started. It, takes, it, it cuts down that time. I don't know by what factor it does, but we were just looking at some of these templates before we started. And I, I don't know, what do you guys think as far as how much time this is going to save? I think it's going to be tons and tons of time just, to, just for the 3D template in general to be, to be able to say... Um, add 3D model, and then poof, your entire thing is set up. You've got your fonts already worked out. Your macros are tied together. Your variables are reading properly. I think it's a ton of time we're going to be seeing for our customers just to get started. Absolutely. I, I definitely want to uh, pass the ball to Derek to speak in general about form templates and drive apps as well. From a CPQ perspective, we have a number of customers who want to be able to have an out-of-the-box solution. And they're going to be able to have that now without having to worry about doing all that manual configuration on the front end and have that science project like you were saying. Um, and that can be a drawback. So if you feel like you have to essentially learn a tremendous amount of underlying code and how to edit things and how to move things forward in a more configurable way for your specific company, that can be a little bit daunting. But if you have a solution where they've already thought through those concerns and thought through the right workflow for your particular business, that's going to be a lot easier for customers to be able to take on, I think. But definitely want to hear from Derek, too, from his perspective. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I mean, when you start looking at other applications that are out there, you know, let's let's talk Salesforce, for instance, right? If you want to add some type of new module, it's there as a template. You add it, you configure it, and you go about your day. You don't have to build everything from scratch. You know, the idea is we want this nice 
user-friendly application that we could customize, but at the same time not have to build it from the ground up. Because we see that from a lot of our customers, they're getting away from their homegrown applications. You know, you can make something like, you know, a whole new programming language like C Sharp or, you know, something like that, Java, and build your own application from the ground up. But what happens when you've outgrown it or what happens when, you know, it needs to expand upon itself? What happens when you lose the talent that built that for you? Now it's a custom solution that people are trying to get away from. So with DriveWorks building these new templates inside there, they're also moving themselves away from that deep customization that's required to make something usable and giving people those templates to step on first. So now any DriveWorks administrator can come in and say, oh, they just made a dashboard for this. I'll go through and modify it and update it and scale it and do what we need to do without having to dig through all their back code and configurations to see how it works. So to see them go in that direction is just really exciting because I think that's going to help everyone in the long run. It's one of the things that we've kind of been talking about as a team for the last, I, I think, year, probably since Aaron really joined the, the Inflow side. It's something we've talked about for a while is being modular and being able to get up and go quicker because customers always ask, hey, since I worked on the pre-sale side, all three of us worked on the pre-sale side, we hear that question all the time. Okay, this is great. How long until we can go? Because they, they love the tool. They love what it can do. They see the power of it. They see the potential. But then there's that question of, well, how long is it going to take me to get up and go? How long mm-hmm. is a string? Exactly. I don't know. It's impossible to say. So that's what this is really going to do. And it ties in really well with other systems now as well. So because we're on that SQL background, it's just metadata. So this is easy to pass back and forth information with, with PDM or with an ERP system if you want to. Because of how we're creating this, it's scalable, it's functional, it's easy to work with other systems. I, I love where they're going. I think you guys hit it spot on. Yeah, totally agreed that they, uh, they definitely are, like I was saying, upping the game and making it easier for the customer and still giving them uh, the option of the traditional programming that they're going to want to be able to do to customize for their own solutions. Absolutely. So speaking of making it easier for the customers, all three of us work on implementations. We do a fair bit of this. I, you guys do a little bit more than I do, uh, since I, I focus a little bit more on things like the podcast and, and the pre-sales world. But we all have had our share of headaches writing rules and trying to do things with the my name function and a whole bunch of that. So I want to dive into some of our favorite function updates that we've got or some of the brand new functions uh, to make our lives a little bit easier. And the number one thing I think that I want to stress is the my name function. And I want to do this because Derek, I vividly remember when we were working <laughs> on an implementation back in 2019, you showed me like a my name function. And I think it had like a my name and a substitute and a left and a right and a couple other things all inside of it just yep. to get the last phrase or something like that. So Derek, tell our listeners how this is going to make your life doing that right. so much better. Right. So I'm, I'm a huge fan of universal rules. You know, if you can, if you can grab information from a control name or something like that, using a single rule that goes into every single control that you have. I like that consistency is, you know, that's a measure of professionalism, right? So if we can get something that's consistent over and over, I would like to use that. So, you know, what you had mentioned there with the, my name rule, 
whenever you go through and you try and pull in like the my name of a control or something like that, it gives you that full address. So you've got, you know, this form and this and that and everything else in between separated by backslashes. So if you really want to get some of the information, what I always did is I would do the my name and then I would run a substitute on the my name return to switch all the backslashes into pipe bars. So with those all being pipe bars, I now have a list. And with that list, I can grab the index. I can either flip the list or grab the last item, something like that, and get whatever portion that I need from the my name return. But as you had mentioned, they've changed that quite a bit. So I no longer have to do that. You know, with the new my name functions and features that they put in there, I don't have to have a 75 character rule to pull out whatever that last piece <laughs> is, right? I, I could just use the new feature that they have inside there. And that new feature, for those that haven't seen it, if I want the second to last piece of the name of the... Because it's the when you say my name, it does the entire path of everything. So let's say I want the second to last. Well, I can just say my name, negative two inside of the parentheses, and it will grab that second last element. Element, not part. That's the official part. You can now do that. Or if I want the second element, I can just say my name, two, and then close off the parentheses. That is so much better than a 75-character rule where we're substituting and we're filtering and we're listing. It makes our life so much easier. And one of the things that you said there was that you like consistency. You like having one rule that you can kind of extrapolate. Aaron, you call that a God rule. That's what you love to call it. And, and I want to get your take on my name, but also the my number rule, because my number is updated very similar to how my name is updated. But you really have an interesting idea for how or an interesting concept with how you've used my number in the past and where you think that this update's going to come into play. Yeah, sure. So in the past, essentially what I've tried to do is exactly what Derek was saying, try to create consistency across the entire implementation. Like, for example, if you want to be able to have a dimension that's named, uh, we'll call it height one, and you want that same dimension to be just grabbed directly from the model rule because you have the name of it right there. It's going to have an address in the model rules tree. Perhaps it's the name of the assembly that it's in, the name of the subcomponent that it's in, and then the name of the actual dimension itself. Well, then maybe you have a variable that's named the same thing, height one. And then now you want one rule that's going to be able to extract the name of that particular dimension and then put DW variable at the front of it and extract that using an indirect to be able to just grab the value of the variable. And now what if you had 250 things <laughs> like that? Now I have exactly one rule that I can apply to 250 different model rules that will pull the same thing regardless of what, what it is that I'm trying to reference. And a great thing that Derek was talking about is how this kind of mimics really professional data structure. You change it in the, the, the actual database that you're trying to pull from, and then the formula is able to extract the new information rather than the other way around um, and having to go in manually and change that rule in multiple places. So I, I, I kind of look at it as the my name rule um, and my number, they kind of replace having to put extract number my name in the past. And I, I've told many customers in the past that it's kind of like the control Q uh, and, and SolidWorks. Mm -hmm. Like a lot of customers don't know that, that it, that's even a thing. Um, and that is a much better rebuild. It's the kind of thing as well that customers, when they find out my name and they find out extract number, uh, it changes their world uh, because how universal you can make things. But then what happens with my name and my number now is it'll just automatically extract it 
right from the name of the thing that it's in instead of having to write two things, extract number and my name. And it makes it much more efficient. And essentially, you can create these God rules that are just referencing one, one particular line of syntax, and then it can apply in many and various ways without you having to hard code all that stuff. So it's, it's, it's tremendous. I mean, it's, I remember talking to Paul Gimbel a number of years ago about when my name first came out and it didn't have this extra function and in, in my number. Um, it doesn't have the, the extra functions that those guys have now where it can just automatically extract the number from the name or automatically extract elements from the name that you specify. And even back then, it was a complete game changer. And so now having the extra simplicity of being able to grab the elements that you're looking for in the specific number without having to have even more syntax to get it to do that is even more of a game changer. I really like it uh, personally for the, for the 3D aspect of it. Because Drive3D is my favorite part of DriveWorks. It, because it's the flashy side and it, it's the stuff that, you know, when you start showing it to people, you get that reaction that you want to get. Um, and people just, they drool over it. It's so cool. But in particular, as I've mentioned on here once or twice, I started making a chess set in DriveWorks. And I wanted to make it where, like, everything will highlight correctly and, and you can see your possible moves and what you can do. Let me say, when you have eight pawns per side... That is awful. And just it's just eight. It's just 16 pawns total. But when you have to think about, okay, what number is this? When you start moving around your knights and they're all over the place, you have to go, okay, is this knight one or is this knight two? And you have to figure that out. Um, having it strapped, having my number, being able to just grab that and say it's this one exactly, it's going to make things like drive 3D and, and beyond just like the chess example. You can do this with your lights. You can do this with uh, your backgrounds. You can do this with all of those little... Uh, nodes that you can add on to your models, to your Drive 3D models. I think there's a lot going on there that my number and my name especially can can play off of. And that also kind of goes into, we talked beforehand that Drive 3D is, it's getting better every single day. Um, at, every, at least every release. Every release that we see Drive 3D, there's more and more to it and it gets better and better. And, and I, I wanted to point out just really quickly before we can kind of jump into more functions, is that Drive 3D, I don't know if you guys noticed this, but there were a ton of performance enhancements um, to kind of make that a little bit faster, make it so that you can really use them better. Um, the driver's template, the 3D template, I, I think I mentioned that earlier, that's really, really cool because you can immediately start seeing how, how can you scale this without having it involve Autopilot or even SolidWorks to create it. There's a lot going on with 3D. There were a lot of really cool updates that you know, if our customers have been thinking, if anyone has been thinking, hey, let's try these 3D files, maybe it's a good idea. I can tell you that it is because it's really cool and, and it adds a wow factor to your project. So I'm a huge fan of that. Yeah, absolutely. I think that DriveWorks has developed the 3D capability of DriveWorks so far that the application could stand on its own with just that. I would agree to that one too. Absolutely. That <laughs> DriveWorks Live is a pretty sweet, pretty sweet tool. And that's even before you consider the fact that you're getting your SolidWorks models out of it. Um, and I say drive it slide because that's where people can really, you can really see like, this is a 3D model. You can do it with the trailer, you can do it with the cupboard, you can do it with uh, several other things. I don't, the watch, you can do all of that and see it. And that's before you even think about the fact that SolidWorks is involved here too. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when you, when you see things like the animation capability that they've added, and the ability for a, a watch secondhand to actually snap and look like it's there's a little bit of wiggle at the end of it. Um, virtual reality and the accessibility of being able to design all of that experience without having to be a professional coder. You're creating a solution that essentially 
is accessible to pretty much anyone that's looking to have a, a rich marketing experience um, and a very cost effective pack, effective package. So I just think it's fantastic. So I want to, it, there's a couple other functions that I wanted to bring up. And Aaron, this is one that you're really excited about. So I want to bring it up before we get into the last few things that we've got for the what's new. But table filter by list. Aaron, you're pretty excited about this because it kind of puts together like an inclusion exclusion list. But can you kind of explain to us what the difference is between the table filter by list and uh, Derek, help me. What was the other function that this was close to? I can't remember. Uh, The table filter by inclusion or exclusion list. So Aaron, what's the difference there? Sure. So when you do table filter by inclusion, you're basically saying include all of the results that match what I've just given inside the function. When you say table filter by exclusion, you're saying give me all the data that is not what I'm actually specifying in the function. Um, Well, the table filter by list actually is replacing both of those functions in one. And all you have to do is toggle and say, well, it's true that I want it to be by inclusion or it's false and therefore I want it to be by exclusion. And what's really nice about that is now all you have to do is toggle it real time. So you can imagine that if you're trying to filter by uh, specific criteria, you can drive that parametrically. Mm -hmm. Uh, as you're actually going through your configuration experience. And I just think that DriveWorks is just continuously adding things that make data analysis and data mining a lot easier for someone that's trying to really maximize the data that they're they're trying to analyze real time for their customers. But then also to be able to do things like KPI reporting and things of that nature on the back end. So there's a lot of stuff happening under the hood that somebody on the front end can't really appreciate, but somebody who's doing the on the ground DriveWorks programming every day, they know it's going to make their life simpler. Like um, someone that I've dealt with, they they have a number of different filters that they have to walk through in order to be able to extract out the information that is, is really important to them. Uh, to, and, and then at the end of it, essentially, they're able to take all these different arrays that they've extracted out and then put that information um, into other systems. But to be able to get there, you have to go through multiple filters. Well, something like a table filter by list makes it a lot easier because now you, for each of those filters, you just simply specify the criteria and then say whether or not it needs to be by inclusion or exclusion. You don't have to have multiple functions to make it happen. Yeah, it's a big deal. I, I, I think that also goes into like that my name, my number, right? Where you know we don't, we don't have to combine right. two different things. We don't have to extract number my name. Um, now, now you can just say table filter by list, inclusion, exclusion is just a true false. That's all we have to do. I think that makes it a lot easier to, man- to manage it and maintain it because, you know, what if you change the filter that you want? Well, now you don't have to retype your entire rule. Instead, you just drop down false, or I guess you'd have to physically type it, but it's easy enough to do. So Derek, what's one function that maybe you're kind of excited about too? Because we just hit on one from Aaron with the table filter by list. I think that's pretty cool. What's another one for you that you think, hey, this is going to be a big deal. This is something big for me. Or maybe just an enhancement if you don't have a particular function that you love. So there was actually a really, really good function that kind of got glossed over uh, during the What's New presentation. Um, I don't know if I would necessarily call it a function per se, but it's more or less in the specification explorer test mode, you know, because anyone who's worked on projects has used that test button a lot, right? You know, you go through, you put your stuff together, you test something out, and, you know, you see how it works. Well, one of the newer things that came out some years back was the specification host control, mm. which is, you know, a huge, huge leg up on everything that they've done in the past. I love that control. 
absolutely wonderful. You know, I, I, I love working with it. But one thing that was always difficult, if you ran that or you ran a child specification, you couldn't test. You could only test on a parent project. You couldn't see everything in child specification um, or, or a hosted specification. Now you can. So one of the new things in 18.1 is the test mode allows hosted specifications to be tested. So when you put this parent project together, which may be a simple landing page or you know using a dashboard or, or something like that, and you immediately get brought into a child specification, you can test that out before going live. You could see all the cool data inside there. That was always something that kind of hindered the testing when you had these advanced projects that you're putting together. Um, but seeing them actually implement that in Service Pack 1 is fantastic. You know, from a developer standpoint, from an administrator standpoint, I think that's going to be a huge help to a lot of folks. Yeah, it should definitely make debugging a lot easier because... <laughs> right. Now you don't have to worry, okay, which project do I have open? Nope, nope, I have to do a new specification, drop down, okay, which project is it? This one right here. You don't have to do that now. It's a whole lot easier. Pass all this dummy information into a constant and have a checkbox that says, well, I'm testing this versus this an actual run just to see it all go. I mean, it's just going to make things so much easier. So I'm I'm really excited that they put that one in there. Yeah, I I can't agree. Um, I can't agree more. Um, Talking from experience in the past with... um, folks uh, that I personally dealt with as well, the, the CPQ template can kind of expose that as a as an issue that you really need to be able to test at multiple levels, at least the, the older version of the CPQ template, um, because it's so multi-layered and there's so many different things going on. You have a top level where you have a dashboard and then you have a, a level where you have an order. Then within the order, you're running a custom configurator. And so there's a lot of stuff going on at different levels that you want to be able to test, where in the past you weren't able to. And so you had to get around it, like Derek was saying, by coming up with constants that maybe you populate or extra form controls you're putting on your screen to be able to see what happens. And you're passing, you're actually passing data from one project to the other just to test it. Um, but now you, you just don't have to do that. You can go right into that test mode, like Derek was, Derek was saying, and um, be able to see what's happening in a very specific child specification um, through the spec host control. And it just makes it so much easier. Anything to make it easier for the admins. That's the biggest goal, because if the admins have a headache doing it, then imagine how the rest of the users must feel. So we want to make this easy. Absolutely. And, and I've got two more things that I want to make sure we hit uh, on this podcast. And these are two enhancements that I think they're going to fly under the radar a little bit because hopefully we don't have to really see them, or at least one of them. Uh, but one thing that I'm actually really excited about is in the task manager. So I don't use the most robust computer in the world. So things crash on me. And when things crash, I go into my task manager. And if you look for in my drive, it's 18 or 17 or 16 or any of the previous versions, your groups and projects that are displayed in the task manager is just going to say DriveWorks. That's all it's going to say for you or DriveWorks Administrator. And I think it's actually a really nice thing that now in your task manager, you can see individual projects and individual groups. Those are each displayed by name in your task manager so you can monitor resource usage if you need to. Uh, if you have to kill one for any reason, you can actually do that. Make sure, hey, I'm not going to kill the one that I don't want to kill. Um, I think it's a really big deal just for the management side of it and for the anxiety inducing like, oh no, I don't want to crash the wrong one. So you, you can make sure that you only crash the right one if you have to. I, I, I think that almost flies under the radar because it's something that obviously we hope we never have to do it. But if you ever do, 
now you can have confidence that you're going to do it to the right one and make sure that things aren't going to fall apart. Two more, th last thing I want to hit on, and then we can kind of wrap up and talk about any other last bits, is inside of SolidWorks PDM, I, I hope our users have picked up on this, but there's been a lot that's happened with DriveWorks and PDM integration. And I know that you two have done a lot of PDM DriveWorks implementations uh, when, when we've got DriveWorks working with PDM. Previously, you kind of had to assign a normal license to DriveWorks, whether it's an editor or a contributor or no, one of those two. I don't know why you would give a viewer to DriveWorks. Now you can actually provide DriveWorks, the DriveWorks add-in with a particular license for PDM. So again, likely only ever a contributor or an editor license. But I think for our customers that have a limited number of licenses, a limited number of licenses, like if they don't have a, a USL, it's going to make a lot of sense because then they can say DriveWorks just needs a contributor license. DriveWorks needs this editor license. You can make sure that it's getting what you want it to, and you never have to worry about DriveWorks grabbing a license it's not supposed to because it's always going to grab the one that you tell it to. I think that's going to be big for, obviously, it's going to be big for our PDM customers because if you don't have PDM, it doesn't matter. Um, but for those limited number of license people, I think that's a really nice thing to have. Again, you two have done some stuff with PDM and, and setting up that license and making sure that people are using the right things. I think it can provide a nice, a nice benefit, a nice impact, a nice peace of mind. That, that's kind of what those two things have done for me, in my opinion. Yeah, Nick, I would agree on that because, you know, whenever we do PDM implementations for customers, we usually have a ratio that we go by, right? So editors are for anyone who's using SolidWorks application, and that's typically a one-to-one. -one. So if you have 100 SolidWorks users, you're going to have 100 editor licenses. If you're a contributor, maybe you're just adding in Word documents or Excel documents or something like that. You're you're not necessarily working with SolidWorks, but you're still putting some stuff in there. And that's usually about a three to one ratio. So one contributor license for every three contributors that you have. And a viewer, even though we're not really using it, that's like a five to one. So if you've got five users who need viewer licenses, they're going to need one viewer license to share between them. Now, the issue is if we take one of those editor licenses by accident on the DriveWorks Autopilot, we now have one SolidWorks user who cannot do work inside of PDM. And that's a problem. So now, yeah, so now the administrators are trying to find out, well, what exactly is going on? Where did that license go? Who's using that? And turns out an autopilot machine was rebooted. And first license that saw available because it's using SolidWorks is pulling that editor license when maybe it shouldn't have pulled it from that pool or something along those lines. So you know, you do want to have a little bit more control over what your licenses are using or what's using your licenses, so to speak, just like we would with SolidWorks. We don't want our autopilot license pulling a shared SolidWorks license and now someone can't do their work. We want to control it a little bit, you know, better. So there could be a lot of different reasons for it, but more control over the licensing that autopilot or DriveWorks is taking is always a good thing in my book. Yeah, and Derek, I think that the whole PDM side of it, it's going to be, it gets better with the, with each release as it has for the last year or so. And I'm really excited to see how much more flexibility that we have, or maybe you can choose on a dropdown, say use this one or that one. That's going to be a big deal. One more thing I want to hit on before Aaron, I'm going to toss it to you and then we can wrap because I, I know we're getting a little bit long here on this episode, is the advanced feature parameters. We have a lot more features that you can deal with. So there's there are sketch-driven patterns that you can work with. Um, you can do things with like breaks um, with your sheet metal. There are a lot more of those advanced feature parameters that 
you know, beforehand, we can we can pretty much control everything. If you can grab the dimension, you can control it. Drivers is making it a little bit easier to do all of that. So I'm really excited about that. Probably not a huge thing to, to get into, but for anyone that's curious, definitely check out the release notes because there's a lot going on there. I've got a couple more quick notes, but Aaron, I want to ask you, any last things that you want to bring up? Any really cool things that maybe we glossed over that you want to introduce and just say, hey, this is really cool? Um, any last things? Yeah, just two quick things. One is the ability to cancel a hosted specification specifically. Mm. Uh, so that you don't have to cancel the entire spec. Um, you can just cancel the hosted spec at any given time. It just gives you more flexibility to be modular. But then there's another function that I was really excited about, get group released documents. Ooh, I like and that what's one. nice about it, it, it actually tells you whether or not that document has been generated. And so now it kind of makes it a little bit more simple for you to know if a document exists, because maybe as part of your workflow, order of operations is really important and certain documents have to be generated before another one, another one is generated, especially if you're doing stuff on multiple autopilots. So I think this one function can be a game changer for somebody that really is getting to a very complex environment and they have to know what's going on with the whole system and understand what's happening with any files that have actually been generated in the past. Yeah, Aaron, I've actually worked with a customer that really, really needed that function. So I'm 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 already a big fan of it. Give that customer a call, Derek. <laughs> we gotta get that worked out. All right, guys. Uh I, I know we're gonna run a bit long a little bit long here. We're over 40 minutes. So uh, two last things to note before I'm going to sign off. Um, the data grid is actually being obsoleted. We didn't really hit on it because I don't want to talk too much about it. But Drivers has a data table instead, which is it's a better version of the data grid. So if you are using the data grid, I recommend switching over to a data table. If for nothing else, then you get the additional functionality. But it's also being obsoleted, so you probably want to do that as well. Last thing is that if you open groups in Drivers 18.1, you do actually have to upgrade. And I think that's kind of new. Because, you know, if you had 17.2 and you opened a driver at 17 project, you didn't have to upgrade it. But because of everything that's going on with the drive apps and the CPQ and the new functions, when you open up a project in driver's 18.1 that was made in 18, you do, you do actually have to upgrade it. It's really quick. It doesn't take long. But that's another thing that I just wanted to make sure the users are aware of. So with that, that's everything that we've got. So Derek, Aaron, thank you so much for joining the podcast this week. I, I really enjoyed this one. Lots of great stuff going on driver's 18.1. And if... If anyone that's listening to this hasn't downloaded it yet, please make sure you do, because there's a lot more than just what we talked about this week. But that's all I've got for this week. Thank you so much for joining me, and I will talk to you all next week. See ya.